And then another lady saw a woman in white, a young girl, all in white, appear at the top of the stairs. She runs down the gallery, stopping outside of the pew and then letting off what was, in her words, an unearthly scream before moving back to the staircase and vanishing. <laughs> Prince Charles was apparently terrified at, at Sandringham when he was again, funnily enough, in the library at Sandringham and him and Fortman were in there and were followed around the library by a ghost. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of a Right Royal Podcast with me, Andrea. And me, Emmy. In this week's episode, we're going all spooky and talking all things supernatural as we dive into the world of royal ghosts. Yes, we've got some brilliant guests to help us navigate the spirit world. We have paranormal historian Richard Felix, star of the classic ghost hunting show Most Haunted, and we'll also be hearing from Errol Clayton from Historic Royal Palaces, who will lift the lid on the spooky happenings at Hampton Court Palace. But without further ado, here comes the royal editor who haunts our podcast per episode, <laughs> Emily Nash. <laughs> Hello, Emily. What's well, your favourite scary movie? Oh, God, I'm not very good with scary movies. I'm a massive wuss. That's a really good question. Casper's not scary. Casper's probably about my level. Ghostbusters. I mean, we've already been researching, and you do know the very building that we're sat in right now is also very haunted. It has an area known as the Dead House, which I do not want to visit. Is it near this studio? I hope it's not. You know, who knows? Maybe we're in it right now. I don't want to know. You know, maybe as we're recording this podcast, we'll see if any ghosts show their... Spooky faces. Well, we do know that the woman who became Queen Elizabeth I lived at Somerset House. And, you know, just for listeners, we are sort of in the bowels of this amazing building just off the Thames in central London. And, yeah, who knows what's happened here? Yeah, we're in the basement. If anything's going to happen, it's It's going to be where we're sat. (laughs) And if the ghost wants to bring us any snacks, that would be... (laughs) We're always open to that. That would be great. Yes. So big question to you both. I mean, we haven't got round to talk about royals yet, but I must know, do you believe in ghost stories? I'm open-minded. I'm open-minded. I've never had an experience myself. I know people who say they have, Mm -hmm. um, and I don't consider them to be crazy. So, yeah, who knows? I have never seen a ghost, and I don't think anyone I know has seen a ghost. But I do believe... I do believe. What about you, Emmy? (laughs) I don't believe in ghosts, to be honest. I think there's a rational explanation for everything, but I do find it absolutely fascinating talking about them. I love talking about them. And also, I'm similar to you, Emily. A couple of people, my mum is sure that she's seen a ghost and she's a very pragmatic individual. So I think there's something very fascinating about sensible people saying that they've seen something that makes me like, ooh, maybe. But so, yeah, so I'm very excited for our spooky-themed episode. I think just the fascination with royal history lends itself to this kind of chat, doesn't it? Because there were so many gruesome stories over the centuries and these very tragic figures that you can believe would haunt the places that they lived in. I think Britain has a very bloody history and these castles and places where the places of executions and etc. It's kind of the perfect setting for a lot of very good ghost stories. And just the atmosphere. I mean, if you've ever walked around the Tower of London at night, it yeah. does send a chill down your spine. You've been to a lot of royal residences, Emily. Have you ever felt something any, weird? Any cold spots? I felt, <laughs> I, you probably felt some pressure to file a story. Um <laughs> No, I've not. But, you know, we've heard and we will hear from our guests about members of the royal family having paranormal experiences. And a few years ago, I went up to Dumfries House, which is the house that Prince Charles saved for the nation. He got together, he kind of did a a crowdfunder, if you like, to save this historic building up in Scotland. And I was told that when he first purchased it, Camilla, now our Queen Camilla, refused to go inside because she felt that something was not right. And it was renovated. It's now a hugely successful tourist destination Mm. and sort of community resource. But 
the feeling was that there was some sort of spiritual presence there. Apparently that's all been resolved now. And now everything's fine. And now everything's fine. They burned some sage, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Who wouldn't want to get the Queen on the podcast to hear more about this? Yes, absolutely. Inevitably, these people are surrounded by history. They are living in these ancient, in some cases, buildings. It's not surprising that if there are going to be ghost sightings, they're going to happen in places like that. And little has changed in some of those buildings. It's so interesting. Still got all the old artefacts and furniture and... Maybe that's why they stay there, because it's like, I don't understand this new world. I need to stay where everything's, you know, classic, classic of my time. I have a question for you both. If you could talk to any dead royal as a ghostie, who would you most want to communicate with and why? I would choose either the late queen, Elizabeth II, or Princess Diana, only because... Oh, do I have to go all the way back? No, 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 no. No, only, no, yeah, only because I question. find it so curious that Diana is actually my age now. Right. You know, I am the age she was yeah. when she died. And it's yeah. so interesting because I felt Diana was very much older when she died. And it's incredible to realise that she was only in her 30s. Yeah. So... I feel like we could talk a lot now. And I'm a mum as well. And I just would really want to talk to her. But definitely number one is the late queen because, you know, she lived for so many years. She has so many stories to tell. I hope she wouldn't mind telling you're, me them now. You're a hello writer through and through, aren't you? Yeah. It's just like, yeah, yeah, I just want the gossip. Also, I'm not very good with British history, so those there are my two safe options, sorry. Have you got any Spanish monarchs you talk to? No, literally, couldn't care less. <laughs> Emily, what about you? I mean, look, I'd love to have spoken to the late Queen Elizabeth about all manner of things. Mm. But I think if you have the whole of history to explore, maybe I'd go back and speak to one of Henry VIII's wives who survived. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh. I'd like to know. I'd like to hear the what, survivor story. What did she do? Yeah, like... what did she do right? <laughs> what was the last one? Catherine Parr. Yeah. Have a, have a chat with Kath. Chat with Kath. Yeah. How did you make it to be number six? What were you thinking? Why were you tempted to be number six? Anne of Cleves, I think, absolutely nailed it with her situation because she got divorced with him after five minutes. They were like annulled, weren't they? And then she just was pals with him and had a really nice house and food. And it was like he called her the king's beloved sister. And it's like... That's the dream. Sort of a bit of a Russian roulette. They're going anywhere near that man. Let's face it. Emmy, who would you choose? Because you clearly had an opinion about my choices. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing. I'd love to talk to Queen Elizabeth II, but also logically, I don't think she'd be telling me anything in death that I'd want to know any more than she would in life. You know, her true feelings on Megxit, I don't think she'd tell me as a ghost. So, you know, it's kind of what's the point. So I think maybe if I was going to do it, this is a classic eye roll millennial girl want to want to know but I'd love to talk to Anne Boleyn see whether she did in fact have an affair with her brother I think the answer's probably not and just see wait we were just talking about those two princes and you were really into those two princes yeah but we know what happened to them though I was telling Andrea the history of the two princes in the tower who were killed by their uncles they were like seven and eight well I'm going all right kids yeah true that's true a bit awkward but what about Queen Victoria I think she'd be fascinating as a female leader a time when Britain actually was pretty powerful on the world stage. Don't you think she'd be a bit of grouch, though? Well, she, did, she, she did have a lot of children. She'd I mean. probably be really mean to me. It was probably the same reason I wouldn't want to talk oh, to Princess that, Margaret. She'd snap me like a twig. <laughs> great fun, though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I had to party with a ghost, I would definitely party with Princess Margaret. Oh, yeah, no, that's true. If we yeah, were we doing a ghost a soiree, Princess Margaret's top of the list, for sure. Anyway, we're digressing, aren't we, really? Well, shall we welcome our next guest? We're so excited to be joined by Hampton Court Palace's tour guide, Errol Clayton, who works with historic royal palaces and can tell us all about the spooky goings on at Hampton Court. Welcome, Errol. Hello, lovely to be here. Um, First off, can we talk to you a little bit about what you do at Hampton Court Palace for our listeners? Absolutely. So um, my name is Errol Clayton. I'm one of the acting team leaders at Hampton Court. So generally, we look after the operations, we look after the state apartments. But one of my other roles at the palace is to present talks and lectures on various subjects. And I specialize in witchcraft and wizardry. So I do a lot of ghost stories and the ghost tours. So I'm particularly busy at this time of year. (laughs) 
I was going to say happy Halloween. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I mean, big question. Are there ghosts and ghoulies at Hampton Court Palace, Errol? What can you tell us? Well, it's got such a long history. Uh, Hampton Court Palace, as you know, goes back over 900 years as some form of residency and just as a royal palace, 500 years. So in all that time, you can imagine there's been so many stories, so many sightings of strange happenings. And it's been reported over hundreds of years from Victorian soldiers who were keeping guard here at night to our current staff who have to walk the corridors in the evening with a flashlight just to make <laughs> oh sure. God. So in that time, yeah, many people have seen things and have had uh, what we say strange experiences. Can I just ask how you got into it? Is it something that you were interested in when you were younger or is it something that happened once you joined Hampton Court Palace? I got into it because I'm actually, as well as working at the palace, I'm a magician. Oh! I come from a family of magicians. I think we're four generations no of magicians. Way. Wow. Yeah. I was always interested in magic from the other side of it and interested in things associated with that because my mum was a witch, quite literally a witch doing magic. Um, So that was always a a portion of interest. I don't know Um, why I thought it would have been your dad. How bad of me to think that the magicians would have been like the the men. re-examine your witchy gender I know, but I (laughs) love it. I love this so much. I want to hear more about your mum. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, yes, it was always a big thing in our household and we were always interested in anything to do with sort of witchcraft. And I've been someone who was always interested in history. In a way, Hampton Court just combines a lot of my interests and my passions because I talk about the history, but also I get to talk about witchcraft and wizardry and all those sort of interesting things as well. Every time you say witchcraft and wizardry, I do think about Hogwarts, Errol, I have Absolutely. to say. She's a big fan. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine your interview when you went for the interview for the job, just chatting about all this and just going down really, really well. <laughs> So what are some of your favourite supposed ghosties at Hampton Court Palace, Errol? Who are people seen? What can you tell us? Well, the most popular story or certainly the most famous haunting that we have reported at Hampton Court happens in the appropriately named Haunted Gallery. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, this one really becomes a famous story in the sort of mid-19th century when Hampton Court was opened up to grace and favour residents, when Queen Victoria allowed people, usually widows, to live at the palace. And this, so the palace started to have a whole community of people living there. But this is right in the middle of when Charles Dickens has written A Christmas Carol and spiritualism has come over from America. So we're starting to get a lot of seances, creepy dolls houses, ghost stories popping up everywhere. And the story goes back to when Catherine Howard was arrested for treason at Hampton Court Palace and was taken to her rooms. The story goes that she broke free from her rooms, ran back up the corridor, stopping outside the royal pew where it was thought King Henry, Henry VIII, would be at prayer, screaming and banging on the door, hoping that if she could just see the king and throw herself on his mercy that perhaps she would be forgiven or shown leniency. Of course, we know the history. Catherine was taken to the Tower of London, where at 19 years of age, she was beheaded. And so in the years following that, particularly in the mid-19th century, the people that were living just off of that corridor started to hear strange things. They would hear footsteps in the night up the corridor. One lady reported opening her door to see a skeletal hand creeping from behind it, wearing a ring that once to belong to Catherine Howard. And then another lady saw a woman in white, a young girl, all in white, appear at the top of the stairs. She runs down the gallery, stopping outside of the pew and then letting off what was, in her words, an unearthly scream before moving back to the staircase and vanishing. I'm actually quite scared. <laughs> Are we supposed to want to be made to go to Hampton Court after this? Because I don't, I don't think it's an... Uh... Can you spend the night there, Errol? You can't at the moment. We have in the past run ghost tours in the evenings. And I do believe there was a time where you could do a whole night at Hampton Court oh, um, yeah. spending the evening. But I don't think we do it at the moment. Uh, maybe in the future. Oh, let's go. <laughs> I love being a bit scared. <laughs> Just a little bit. I wonder if you've ever experienced anything since you've been there. 
yourself. Or even before. I've never had a, shall we call it a, a one-to-one with a ghost out in court. I do hear things. The building is so old and contracts. And quite often I'll be here late in the evenings when we're closing up after a big event or something like that. And you do hear things. Doors creak at the other end of the galleries. I do remember one occasion where we were locking up. And as we got round to one of the big cartoon galleries at the palace, a door that is always locked by our security was open. And for no reason, we couldn't find anyone to tell us how it had opened itself. So you get things like that, doors that just seem to be open when one minute they were closed. Wow. And you hear the building contracting because when there's no guests and it's quiet, the building has its own kind of sounds that you hear. It relaxes. Hear. That's right. All the wood contracts. Um, oh. So it's a, a very different, heavier atmosphere when you're there on your own in the evenings. <laughs> Oh, creepy. I was going to say, do you have to be quite fearless to work at Hampton Court Palace? Because I used to work at a pub where I'd have to go into the cellar and just like check everything was okay before locking up for the night. And I would run down there, run back and like, you know. I was just pretended. Yeah, everything's good. I feel like working (laughs) at somewhere that's like it's so famous for its ghost that there's a tour. You have to have a high threshold for fear working somewhere like that. I think so. There are members of the team that will refuse to go up that room at night when they're locking up. Really? You're coming with me, Greg, (laughs) um, with the flashlights and the phones out and everything. It certainly helps (laughs) to be interested. I was just thinking, I've been to Hampton Court Palace in the evening a couple of times for events. And I do always think, just as you're walking out at night... You feel quite exposed, I guess, because it's such a huge building and it's so dark and there are all these shadows and corners. Now you've told me that, I'm not sure I'll be able to come back. (laughs) It's such a vast space and there's so many spaces of just darkness. And I think when you if you get the chance to be here at night, the palace has just such a different kind of energy about it. And you're really seeing it far closer to how it has been historically. You're getting to see it at the quiet moments and the stillness, which is how the kings and queens who've lived there would have experienced it at the palace in those quieter moments. Yeah, and with no electricity, I guess, before the lights and the... uh... That's right. There's a funny story about that because obviously with the coming of the Industrial Revolution and gas lighting, so a lot of the people that were living in the palace would be staying in these huge rooms. They would have been moved in from the countryside with Grace and Favour residency. And they would have just had that new invention, gas lighting fitted. And you think, oh, that's wonderful. But of course, gas lighting in its early days would be giving certain kinds of emissions off and it would be causing uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. So a lot of times these people who were living in these rooms would be getting poisoned and they'd start hallucinating. And like in Dickens' A Christmas Carol, they'd probably blame it on the cheese. But the reality (laughs) is they were being poisoned by carbon monoxide. And in some cases in London and all over the big cities, people would die in their locked rooms. And this would create a kind of locked room mystery where the police would open it and say, oh, the door was locked from the inside, the windows were nailed down, and the body was in its bed, but shows signs of strangulation. And these are the sort of things that Edgar Allan Poe and M.R. James would really lean into in their stories of ghosts and, and the occult. <laughs> Do we think that carbon monoxide poisoning is what caused one of these ladies to see Catherine Howard <laughs> running and screaming? <laughs> Um, The Lord Chamberlain at the time, who was in charge of giving the rooms to these ladies, he sort of is the registrar, he was under the opinion that some of these ladies might be making up because they wanted to be moved to slightly more comfortable rooms at the more modern side of the palace. And the Tudor rooms are always known for being pretty drafty, pretty uncomfortable because of the big stone building that it is. One interesting thing about the Haunted Gallery is to this date, it's the place where we have the most amount of uh, strange happenings and sightings. On various occasions, we've had people faint under the chandelier where Catherine Howard is said to bang on the door. And we've had guide dogs in the past, assistance dogs, that will refuse to go past that doorway. So we certainly do get a lot of strange things happening Ooh, in the haunted gallery. Wow. So you, I love it when animals get involved. Oh, my. Because it's yeah. like, they, you know, they sense things that you don't. And kids. Yeah. I wonder That's if in, in your tours, are kids allowed? Oh, absolutely. We love kids. They're great. They're great. Do you have any anecdotes? about kids or them seeing anything or even anyone that's been part of that tour like do you remember any memorable one do you want to take your sons to go well, get not, ghosts no to go i home? think i won't be visiting <laughs> anytime soon after this chat 
<laughs> I mean, the kids do love it. We usually don't love kids on the main ghost tours that we've done in the past. We'd have a more family-friendly tour that we would do slightly earlier. I mean, the kids love the talks because they all like the sort of horrible histories. And yeah. yeah. I, I'm, doing, I'm doing a talk this year about spells, charms, and incantations. And I, I talk about all the, the various ingredients to some of the spells used in the by witches in the 15th and 14th century. And the kids love it. They love hearing about all the grisly bits of pieces that are thrown into a, a pot to be stirred to make a sort of protection spell or a serum that you paint on your door and things like that. The offer we're doing at Hampton Court this year from the 21st to the 29th of October is very much focused on our family-friendly audiences. So we've got um, various installations and projectors showing certain haunted spaces and we'll have live ghosts walking around as various characters like Jane Seymour so they can the kids can see it and it'll really bring the palace to life during those days. Oh, that sounds incredible. That's, Love that. That does sound. I was going to say, we've talked about Catherine Howard. Are there any other royal hauntings that you're able to share with us? Or is it more people who were sort of adjacent to the royals? There's kind of a variety. There's certainly a very famous one for Jane Seymour because Jane Seymour has got such a connection to Hampton Court. It's where she uh, gave birth to Edward, who would be Henry VIII's long-awaited son. And it's also where she died, so a week later. So it has a very strong connection. And it's been said that on the anniversary of her death, on many occasions, a lady in grey has been seen walking down the staircase that leads up to Jane Seymour's apartment and then crossing the courtyard in the direction of her son's rooms, which is a lovely kind of gothic story in a sense. It's also thought that Jane Seymour's heart is buried at Hampton Court underneath the altar in the Will. Wow, that's cool. I do think it's interesting that ghosts tend to be Tudors. I think it's, <laughs> a, <laughs> it's a very popular time for people. It's, it's to, a great uh, era for haunting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's it, right. That's right. There's a lot of Tudors and people associated with the Tudors as well. There's a really exciting ghost story we tell sometimes, which is a little bit more recent, about a lady that was granted a grace and favour apartment in the Fountain Courtyard, slightly more modern side of the palace in the 19th century. And from the moment that she was granted these apartments, she just complained bitterly about scratching under her floorboards and a noise and a moaning. And she was told by the security of the time that it was probably rats or a cat or something that had got under the floorboards and was causing a disturbance. Um, So very little was done. But years later, when an investigation was launched to um, lift the tiles just in front of her apartment because they needed to put some more plumbing in, that's when they discovered the remains of two male skeletons. Her apartment. These we thought originally might be cavaliers who'd come to Hampton Court to rescue Charles I during the English Civil War. But it later turned out they were actually workmen who were killed when part of the palace crumbled during Christopher Wren's renovations of Hampton Court. We don't really know why they were buried in such shallow graves. But what we do know is from the moment that they were removed and buried with full funeral rites, all strange noises ceased. Exciting. (laughs) I actually just got goosebumps. (laughs) Do you think there was foul play, Errol, if they were buried in a shallow grave? Well, of course, surely. It's possibly. I mean, it's very interesting. There's so little information about why. And of course, nowadays we could have done autopsies, we could could have examined it all specially, but back then you just couldn't do that. But it is very interesting. And there's been lots of theories about why they were there, or perhaps they were killed, or maybe they just died in some way. But it's, it's a really exciting story. And because it's quite physical, it's quite recent, and they were actually found with skeletons. So it's a really, it's a really good tale. Is this your favourite story to tell or do you have a better one <laughs> now, this, now is pretty, the, this is pretty now, good no, that was really good. you're invested no, no, now no, I, I, yeah. that was great I'm just wondering if he's got another one up his sleeve I'm, I'm ready for it <laughs> I do have one more that I run there you away. go there <laughs> you go <laughs> um, we're, uh, we're going back to the Tudors but to Elizabeth and it took place in the first year of Elizabeth's reign when the Queen was suffering from smallpox 
And Elizabeth's nursemaid, Elizabeth the first nursemaid, was a lady called Sybil Penn. And she'd been a nurse to three monarchs, to Edward, to Mary, and now to Elizabeth. And as we know, Elizabeth I would survive smallpox, though she would be scarred. But Sybil Penn, who nursed her through that, wasn't so lucky. And she came to the illness herself and died. But she was buried at the Queen's expense, two and a half miles from Hampton Court. And there she rested, rested for hundreds of years, again until the Victorian age, when a freak storm destroyed Sybil's tomb and her remains were said to be scattered. And it's at this point that it seems that some part of Sybil returned to Hampton Court because people started to witness a grey lady moving around the courtyards or even in the Great Hall at times. And in the rooms where Sybil had lived, they were now occupied by the Ponsonby family. And they started to report hearing things, uh, hearing muttering of an old lady. Some servants were woken in the night to feel cold hands touching their faces or sliding over their faces. So when they launched an investigation, they found in these apartments a fake wall and behind the wall, a door and through the door, a long forgotten room. And in that room, they discovered the old spinning wheel that once belonged to Sybil Penn. Stop! This, yeah, I know. But this discovery did little to deter the spirit because if you come to Hampton Court this Halloween, there is still a chance you might see a grey lady wandering the courtyards because from that day to this, we still get sightings. <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating, it's so isn't cool. it? Yeah. I'm so sad we're not recording this episode there. <laughs> maybe we need to go we maybe we go. need to go for another one yeah, next year <laughs> yeah definitely um, I have to say obviously there's so much history at Hampton Court but I've got to ask you about witchcraft in particular is there any link at the palace there are there's certain things to do because witch hunting became really popular in this country with the reign of James the first and when he came over from Scotland he brought uh, all these ideas about demonology and witches because as a younger man when he was leaving Scotland to fetch his bride there had been a covenant of witches that had plotted to destroy him through various spells and charms and incantations so by the time he got to England he was pretty obsessed with it and there are certain signs of witchcraft at Hampton Court to this day in James's time a witch's mark was something that a witch had which said that she'd signed a pact with the devil and it could be a bruise a bite it could be small or big it could be a rash and unfortunately if you lived in the 16th 17th century you absolutely had a rash because everybody <laughs> had a rash in those days. Yeah. Uh, so it was pretty even chances you were going to be found to be guilty of being a witch. But witch's marks have another meaning as well. And in Tudor England, a witch's mark could be a protection spell. If you were worried that witches were going to enter your house or your workplace or even someone you loved, your children, you might want to make a witch's mark. And to create a witch's mark, you would take a candle And you would make a small burn mark above your doorway or above your chimney, just a little black mark. And then you might sketch into the wall a pentagram or a star or a circle like a sun. And this would stop witches or evil spirits from entering your house. And you can see examples of this to this very day at Hampton Court in our Tudor kitchens, where we still have witches' marks protecting the palace. Cool. Do you think this is why, I'm not sure if I've got the timings right here, but you know, Macbeth, was that for James I? Was that to, yeah, it to was. feed his obsession? <laughs> Absolutely. Shakespeare wrote it to appease the king in a sense, oh. to say, oh, I know about witches. When James I was leaving Scotland, there were famously three witches that conspired to create a tempest to drown him at sea. Three sisters. One of these witches, Agnes Sampson, actually said in her testimony or trial that they had taken a cat and christened it the king and then thrown it off a mountain into the surf. And then the three witches had danced a conga line to raise a tempest. So James heard all this and thought, oh my gosh, witches are out to get 
me. So Shakespeare wrote Macbeth really to appease the king to say, oh, I understand about witchcraft, evildoers. Interesting. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, do we think that they were conspiring to kill him through witchcraft or do you think they were forced to confess something that they didn't do? Most of the time, witches generally were just wise women or cunning folk, people with an understanding of medicines, of herbs, of perhaps of reading the stars, things, reading your fortunes. And most of the time were completely innocent people that just yeah. had had certain things handed down to them. You might know how to treat animals and things like that. I, I often say that the wise women and cunning folk were kind of the NHS or the boots pharmacy of the Renaissance <laughs> world. They went to if you had problems and you wanted a love potion or you were scared because you were going to battle and you didn't want to die. So they could, for a price, they could give you an amulet that would guarantee coming safe home and things like that. But there were certainly people that did believe at the same time as that, that they were witches and that they controlled powers and that they would meet in covenants. The man who was responsible for the covenant against James was called John Fane. And John Fane was was kind of a an evil Severus Snape, if you will. Um, <laughs> somebody who was very good at spells and charms. And he absolutely believed that he could kill the king because of his religious beliefs. And he set out to acquire witches to help him in this act. Oh, wow. Mm. That's mad. I know. I could talk to you all day about this. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating and really interesting as well, though, to think back on historical figures and how obsessed they became with things like this. Yeah. And I don't know what the modern day equivalent would be. Well, no, well, I was wondering whether you've ever heard of any of the actual royal family, past and present, ever commenting on these hauntings. Like, has anyone that you know of ever experienced it? I don't know if any of the ones historically would have mentioned it. Certainly, they would have all had a belief in... Uh, witchcraft and the supernatural. Elizabeth I had a court magician called John Dee, who was a very famous uh, man who would visit the Queen at Hampton Court and he would show the Queen experiments he'd been creating because he was an alchemist and he would do things like that and try to contact the dead or contact angels and demons and things for the Queen. And even Henry VIII in his day, he had the magnificent astronomical clock built at Hampton Court and astronomy was very much seen as magical art. It was seen as the most intellectually demanding of magical arts and it was believed at all levels of, of society and it, because it was based on ancient Egyptian and Babylonian writings. So Henry VIII was a firm believer in this as would most people of their time be up until really the Industrial Revolution when things start to change and opinions change on such things. But um, no, certainly the Tudors and the Stuarts would have been firm believers in ghosts. It's said when James the first interviewed Agnes Sampson because he was so worried about these witches he wanted to interview her himself and she is said to have spoken the words that he said to the queen on their wedding night words that he said all the devils in hell could not have discovered um, so James was certainly a firm believer and we can assume his children were as well for sure, for sure. do people still live at Hampton Court we don't have any grace and favour residents with us anymore. And it's unlikely we will again because it's not really used as that kind of residency anymore. It's much more as a charity where they are now just to preserve the history. We're really here just to protect the history for future generations and to inspire people to walk in the footsteps of these kings and queens, but also the other people that lived here and make up the story of the palace. Thank you so much, Errol. It's been so fascinating. It's absolutely brilliant. It's been really great. interesting. I'm definitely going to come at Halloween. Absolutely. Paying <laughs> a visit, for sure. We hope to see you soon. I'm absolutely obsessed with <laughs> Errol and his ghost stories and his mother. <laughs> I'm, a little bit, I'm a bit worried that if we do all go to Hampton Court together, we might be mistaken for the three witches. <gasps> oh, that's possible. Shotgun agonists. <laughs> yeah. Emmy, this has been your dream episode. Oh, I've had the most fun. It's been so great. I mean... Maybe, maybe I'm converted. Maybe now I'm a spooky believer. A believer. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I love hearing about ghost stories. And this has been, I, I was getting goosebumps. I don't know about you guys. Well, you, <laughs> uh, sure. I mean, I think that what he said about Jane Seymour being seen crossing over to her son's rooms. How tragic Freaky. is that? Yeah. And Catherine Howard screaming as she runs across the, the floor. But, and also... The scratching. Oh, whoa, whoa, The scratching whoa, whoa. from the uh, the builders that were trapped. I feel like there are a load of cold cases at Hampton yes. Court. Maybe in future there'll be the technology to go back and 
and explore these things more, but wow. Maybe this podcast should become a detective true crime agency podcast. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I think I need a hot chocolate. <laughs> uh, I just need to get something warm in my body right now. I need, to, uh, yeah, I need to like watch something bright and breezy, and you know, see the daylight. And... Well, let's do just that. <laughs> let's go get some air. Well, shall we welcome our next guest? Yes. We're so excited to be joined by Most Haunted Star and paranormal historian Richard Felix. Now, Richard has done ghost walks across the country for decades now. He was the historian on Most Haunted, which, if people didn't watch back in the day a few years ago, was a really interesting show where they went round to every haunted residences in the UK and basically spent the night there to see if there was any supernatural occurrences. So he really does know his stuff. He also has a YouTube channel and a book, What is a Ghost? And we're so excited to hear his expertise. Welcome, Richard. Thank you very much. Thanks for asking me. I think first things first, simple question. What can you tell us about royal ghosts? Oh, well, it depends, <laughs> how long we've, it depends how long we've got, basically, because, uh, come on, there are so many royal palaces that are haunted and royal ghosts that haunt them as well. I'm a huge believer that that old buildings, um, old castles, stately homes uh, made of sandstone, uh, limestone, granite, brick, clay, are huge stone tape recorders that hold memories from the past. I believe that approximately 60% of what we call a ghost is nothing more than a recording held in the fabric of the building. Wow. The other 40% is an intelligence that has stayed behind for a reason. So there's a lot more to it than just scary ghosts because they're not there to get you. Interesting. Okay, so what are some of the royal residences that you would say has a lot of ghost reportings and a lot of history there that is recorded in the walls? Oh, God, I mean, where do you begin? You know, I mean, <laughs> obviously, the, the, the Tower of London, I mean, you know, a thousand years of trauma, tragedy, pain, death, execution, torture. The Tower has to be the most haunted building on the planet, in, wow. in my opinion. Yeah, uh, second best got to be, I think, uh, Windsor. Really? Um, again, there's, oh, there's oh, 25 different ghosts, apparently, in Windsor Castle alone, yeah. So, you know, St. James's, Clarence House, Sandringham, Holyrood, and uh, they've all got their ghosts in them. What makes Windsor so popular? Yeah, why, do, why, why are the ghosts flocking to Windsor? Well, again, it's, we're talking of nearly a thousand years of history. You know, they're the biggest best preserved castle probably in the world and and a history second to none and a favourite home of so many royals as well. Because, you see, one of the reasons that ghosts stay behind is because they like it there. You know, the to number, be fair. Oh, yeah, you know, this, this could be a bungalow, a terraced house, a stately home, a castle. They stay because they like it. I just don't know a lot about ghosts. So how do you stay behind? Oh. <laughs> She's straight in there with a <laughs> the big question. Me, aren't you? I mean, in an ideal world, Right. Every spirit, soul, whatever you want to call it, of a dead person should go to wherever they go. And don't ask me where. This this dimension, this spiritual plane, the spiritual level, heaven, hell, somewhere. But it's not an ideal world. If I drove to London now, you know, I'd expect to get there, but I might not. Yes. In an ideal world, all babies are born head first, but they're not. It's not an ideal. And the same with the spirit of a person. It doesn't always make it. And so sometimes they're trapped and they're still here. But then the other ones, is because they can choose where they go as well or whether they stay, because they're an intelligence and some of them stay behind because they've got unfinished business. Yeah, They were murdered and no one found the murderer. They were executed for a crime that either they didn't commit or they genuinely believed that they shouldn't have been executed for it, then they stay behind. But I can't answer the question, how do they stay behind? Yes. Because I haven't been there yet. (laughs) Andrea's just wondering how to send a text to the other plane. I just wonder, do you think those that choose to stay behind... Not necessarily uh, choose. No, but he said some choose. They might just have them. Yes, they can. Yeah, they they choose, choose where they go. Where they go. Yeah, the old the old lady in the cottage that 
it was the family home. They, the family lived there before her. She 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 loved it. She had it done up. She had a new bathroom, put blah, blah, blah. Pride and joy. She dies. She actually stays behind. The number of people that I speak to that get, you know, ring me and say, we, we bought this house and everything was fine until we started doing some work on the house. Oh, dear. Really? Oh, yeah. Freaky. And then the old lady or whoever it is. And a, a prime example for that, of course, is Dumfries House. Ooh, Okay, tell yes. us about that then. So what's haunting Dumfries House and why? Well, funnily enough, I'm not sure who. I think it might, might be the Marquis of Butte. Because uh, they have the most fantastic collection of Chippendale in that place. And apparently the king uh, obviously bought it when he was Prince Charles. He had it renovated. And, and apparently Queen Camilla w- would not go in the place. She went in once and said, oh, I can't go in here. There's, there's something here. There's, and of course, she would not go in because she definitely said there was a, a spirit, an entity of some sort in, in the house that wasn't happy. And again, because basically King Charles was having it renovated. And it's the same old story. What do you feel when you know there's an entity? Like, have you actually been to these residents and felt a presence? No. No. <laughs> I actually have this question for you as well, Richard, because obviously you're a paranormal historian, so you know yeah. you definitely have a scope of belief for the paranormal. What's the most convincing thing that you've experienced that's like, yes, there is something? Me, personally, I've seen a ghost at 20 past three on a Friday afternoon in broad daylight. Tell us more. Tell us. In Derby Jail. It, it, it's uh, the county jail from 1756. And I was on the phone talking to a guy from Derby City Council, funnily enough, about a Bonnie Prince Charlie parade that we we have every year yeah. in Derby. And this grey, hazy shape of a person glided down the corridor bef- before my very own... And I'm not talking about corner of my eye. I'm talking full on. It was a grey, hazy shape of a person. Oh, my Not God. male, not female, not clothed, but person's shape, but grey. So terribly grey. And and I'm I'm the guy that ticks the normal boxes. You have to do that before you even remotely consider the small possibility that it might be a ghost. And I've ticked every normal box to try and disprove it. And I've only got one one explanation. I saw a ghost. Wow. I've also heard a ghost and travelled with a ghost. (laughs) I'm totally convinced that that there's something in it. But it's not what we think. It's, It's not a scary thing that's going to get us. It was you and me. Yeah. They were you and me once. They were human beings. And most human beings are very nice. That means most ghosts are very nice. <laughs> Funnily enough, talking, obviously, royal palaces, mind you, what I saw was this grey, hasty shape of a person at Clarence House during the war. It was taken over, apparently, by the Red Cross, British Red Cross. And there was a young, young lady sat in her office typing away when this grey, hazy shape, would you believe, of a person, not male, not female, not clothed, but a grey haze appeared at this, uh, in front of her desk and lingered. She didn't linger. She left the building, <laughs> went home. For the, funnily enough, it was a Friday, went home for the weekend, came back on the Monday morning telling everybody, I've seen it. And, and they said, oh, oh, you've seen the Duke of Connaught, have you? Oh, wow. Wow. Oh yeah, oh we we've often seen him. And I don't I really can't tell you why he's there, but you know, oh you've seen the Duke of Connaught. Just matter of fact. Oh, I love stuff like that. I love it when it's like, oh yeah, him. He's just So would he still be at Clarence House or we don't know? The fascinating thing is you cannot get closer to history than seeing the ghost of oh Henry the Eighth, Queen Elizabeth. I mean, the late Queen saw the ghost of Queen Elizabeth I. Really? The in Queen, Windsor Castle. Queen Elizabeth really? II did? Yes, Elizabeth II saw the Queen, the first Queen, the, fir- the first Queen. The, uh, the first Queen, Elizabeth. Her, her namesake, Elizabeth I, in the library of Windsor Castle. So did Princess Margaret. Wow. She saw Elizabeth I as well. And a lieutenant in the Grenadier Guards that was actually in the library studying at the time when he saw this figure and recognised it. Well, obviously, everybody knows what Queen is. And, and actually got up and followed it and it walked through the wall and vanished. Oh, my God. Do you know how old Elizabeth was when Elizabeth II was when that happened, Richard? That's a very good question. No, I don't. No, I don't know that. But, I mean, obviously, 
it was it was obviously while Princess Margaret was alive as well. Obviously, they both um, saw it. But good point. Very good point. But, yeah, I mean, what an incredible... You see, tell you what, it's really good. It's fascinating. The fact that you've asked me to do this, I find incredible. Because, you see, I love the idea of, of actually being able to tell... I don't call them stories. They're not. They're accounts. There's a difference. Yeah. A story can be made up. An account is what you believed happened to you. Mm-hmm. And, and we're talking credible people. How more credible can you get than Queen Elizabeth II. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And Queen Camilla as well. I mean, the fact that Queen she won't Camilla. go into the... Queen Camilla, exactly. Yeah. Prince Charles was apparently terrified at, at Sandringham when he was, again, funnily enough, in the library at Sandringham and him and Fortman were in there and were followed around the library by a ghost. Really? And he fled the library. Yeah. That's interesting to think that, that our king might be, uh, yes. you know... Yeah, apparently he's not too happy about Buckingham Palace because, again, it's haunted by the ghost of a monk. What? What's a monk doing there? (laughs) On Christmas, that should explain why they're all at Sandringham. That's why they don't stay at Buckingham Palace. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Basically, uh, you see, the uh, Buckingham Palace was actually built on the site. The land belonged to the monks of Westminster Abbey. And this monk, we don't know what happened to him. I don't know why he's there, but he's seen with a cowl, in other words, his hood, wandering through the corridors of Buckingham Palace. And then they've also got a suicide. Major John Gwynne, he was private secretary to Edward VII, and he went through an extremely bad divorce, apparently, very serious divorce, and was, I believe, living in the palace. He actually shot himself in his office, and they often hear a gunshot in the palace, which, as you can imagine, causes great consternation, you know, a a gunshot. But, of course, nobody ever finds anybody that's fired the shot. Honestly, so fascinating to hear about the tragedies that have happened in these buildings as well. I mean, there's so much history there. Oh, yeah. I mean, the tower, you know, back to let's let's go back to the tower. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the amount of, you know, I mean, Sir Walter Raleigh's ghost has been seen at the Tower of London and Berlin's ghost is reputedly seen. She's the most famous ghost. Yeah. At the Tower of London. But you see, the problem we've got is that we you have to be so careful because we always label the ghost with the most famous person that was there. Right. And as much as anything, I would think, ask anybody, who is the ghost of the Tower of London? Everybody will say, Anne Boleyn. And I say to him, well, how do you know it's Anne Boleyn? I mean, she did have a rough time of things, Richard. (laughs) She did. Yeah, she did. But (laughs) but how do you know it's Anne Boleyn, guys? Would you recognise Anne Boleyn with a head under her arm or on a neck? How do we know? Oh, well, she's seen wearing a Tudor dress. Yes, but surely <laughs> all the ladies wore Tudor dresses in Tudor times. So how do you know it's Amberlin? Because I don't believe it is Amberlin. I think it's the Countess of Salisbury. Talk us through this one, Richard. My theory is that it's Dame Margaret Pole, who was the mother of Cardinal Pole. Okay. Catholic, of course, who opposed Henry VIII big time when he obviously declared as Church of England, no more Catholicism. And Cardinal Pole was very, very, very much in opposition. And Henry wanted him and he wanted him executed, but he fled to France. So (laughs) Henry grabbed hold of his mum instead, who Dame Elizabeth Pole. Basically what happened was that he had her executed instead or sentenced her to be executed. And she was brought out of the tower, uh, brought onto Tower Green and knelt down uh, with her head or neck on the block ready and then changed her mind and screamed at the executioner, I will not be executed as a traitor. I am no traitor. And she got up and ran off. What? And the executioner and the executioner chased her round Tower Green, hacking her to pieces. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's horrific. Oh, my oh, God. It was. It was the most horrendous execution. And that's the sort of thing that causes a haunting. Trauma. Violence. And we're talking horrendous trauma. So I believe that it's her ghost that is still seen wandering around Tower Green. Because Anne Boleyn, <laughs> if you can have a good execution, she did, compared to a lot. I mean, the Duke of Monmouth executed on Tower Hill, took the execution of five blows to take his head off. <laughs> Ooh, not good, not good. No, and, and his ghost is, is around as well. But basically, Anne Boleyn, because Henry really still loved her, 
and he knew what a, a botched mess executioners made of taking people's heads off. We still own Calais in the 1530s. And so the French used to take your head off with a sword instead of an axe. And so we brought the headsman of Calais over here to execute Anne Boleyn. Oh, that's so kind of oh, him. So <laughs> wasn't I can't it kind, believe it. Wasn't it so what kind of him? What a romantic. Basically, <laughs> what happened, you had to kneel with your head in the air. Yeah. With your neck up, kneeling. And the executioner took a swing and took your head off. And he took Anne Boleyn's head off in one very clean Blow. This is what happens in the and Tudors with Natalie Dormer. It's like, if yes, you want to see an accurate you've got depiction. It. <laughs> Absolutely right. But the fantastic thing is that, that Henry wanted to make sure that the executioner could do a good job. So he asked him to bring two felons from his prison, one short, one tall. He stood the two of them together and took both heads off with one blow. Oh, Honestly, he really cares. thought things he through. Really yeah, cares. he really yeah. went to the details. Yeah, That's really sweet. Oh, yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. You know who I always thought haunted the Tower of London, Richard? I did a tour there a few years ago, and one of the big ones was the two boys. The princes, who, the princes in the tower. The princes in the tower. Edward V and the Duke of York. I'm going to give Andrea some context, because she's Spanish. So, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Richard, do you want to tell Andrea the story of the two princes? You might know the dates better than me, yeah? Basically, Richard III, they are, you know, there's the Richard III Society, of course, and everyone. He's very popular, really, but he had a very bad press, as I say. But you see, they, they reckon that he'd already murdered Henry VI mm. yeah. in the Tower by stabbing him himself, and his ghost haunts the Tower as well. That's Henry VI. So then, basically, what happened? Edward IV died, and of course, his son should have been Edward V, but of course, Richard of Gloucester. It's his brother. Yeah, uh, basically, he wanted the throne. And so the nearest thing, so he made out that the two boys were illegitimate. Who knows? And so he'd already got them in the tower, awaiting the coronation for the boy, Edward V, and locked them away there. And they reckoned that they were smothered in their bed. Oh. But whether it was, you see, you've got to remember that also Henry VII had as much to gain as Richard yeah. III did. Yeah. You know, who was going to be king? So whether it really was Richard, we don't know. But the two boys, unfortunately, disappeared, never seen again until, oh, I can't remember the date. Dates don't really matter. But anyway, two skeletons were found uh, under a staircase in the White Tower. Wow. And believed to be the two princes and were buried in Westminster Abbey. Oh, wow. Are buried. That's so interesting. I never realised they found the skeletons. That's crazy. Yes. yes, two boys. It looks as if it was them. It's very Lion King. It's like, yeah, yeah. oh, the heirs have died. I guess my brother's <laughs> going to have to do the gig. What a nightmare. Yeah. And their ghosts still haunt the tower. But the fascinating thing is people have actually seen two boys, shades, as they call them, sort of very pale, two boys, one taller than the other, huddled together as if they're terrified oh and people that have seen them have gone towards them wanting to help them and they shrink away from them and disappear back into the wall. Oh, now, have yes. you ever visited these places in the hope of seeing something? Yes. How yes. many times have you visited Frequent, the tower? All, all over the... All over the oh Every gosh, week. You all tell me where <laughs> not. Yes, obviously the tower. You would like to stay overnight, wouldn't you? Have you stayed overnight places, Richard? Actually, I know you have because you did on Most Haunted, I remember. Yes, Here's one for you. Now, this is not exactly a royal palace, but King Edward II, who was murdered by his wife and Roger Mortimer, uh, who wanted the throne, they had him locked away in Barclay Castle. Well, they had him murdered. The most horrendous murder. I mean, this is probably a family show, is it? But I mean... I don't <laughs> no, know okay, well, this is a spooky <laughs> special. It's all, right, so. all right, then. So basically, there could be no marks or scars on the king's body. So they inserted a cow's horn what? and then pushed a red-hot poker ah. through it and burnt his insides out. And his screams can still be heard on the anniversary of the exit. Do you know the Barclay family actually leave Barclay Castle on the anniversary? Of the really, of the I bet they because, do. Because yeah, <laughs> the screams are heard to this day. Richard, if I was you, I'd get there on the anniversary. Well, I spent the night in the room where Edward II was murdered. On the anniversary. <gasps> oh. 
How was that? The worst thing that happened, there was a bat in the room. <laughs> That's bad <laughs> that enough. Was far more scary than the ghost of King Edward II, I can assure you. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, that is alarming. Do I you believe like in signs, though? Like, do you believe that bat was there for a reason? Or, you know, when the Queen died, Queen Elizabeth II, there was a rainbow at the exact time that it was announced that she had passed away. Like, do you believe in those signs? Here's one for you, then. Windsor Castle, when they executed King Charles I... January 1649, as they were buried, because they buried him at Windsor. They beheaded him at Whitehall, but they, they actually took his body back to Windsor and buried him with, with Henry VIII. And when they were, it was a beautiful day, it was January, but it was quite a pleasant day, no problem at all. As the cortege was going across towards the chapel, a snowstorm appeared, a huge snowstorm, and completely covered his black draped coffin and when they got to the gates of the chapel, his coffin was completely white, obviously with snow. And everyone reckoned that that was a sign that the king was actually innocent oh. and not guilty of treason, which is a nice one. But here's something even better for you. I don't know whether you know this, but after they chopped King Charles I's head off, they stitched it back on. Oh, why? Oh, my God. Right. Are you ready for this? No. <laughs> I love stuff like this. He was the king. God's anointed on this planet. Yeah. This is what his father told him, James I, you see, that the, the divine right of kings. Now, they wanted to kill the king. Yeah, Oliver Cromwell wanted him dead, but they didn't want to send him to hell. And if his head wasn't on his body on the day of judgment, because the body wasn't whole, there'd be no physical resurrection for the king. Right. And he would go to hell. So they were doing him so a favour. Stitched his head back on, but did it work? Because Charles the First's ghost has been seen at Windsor Castle. Do you think there are any malevolent presences, though, Richard? So there is evil, of course there is. You see, I believe that I believe that basically your ego, which is you, your personality, I believe it goes with you when you pass over. And so that means if, you, if you're a nasty person, you'll probably take that with you and you'll probably always be a nasty spirit that throws things around and does silly things. But on the whole, most people are very nice. I would think most kings and queens were very nice, really. And so that means they're very nice when they've passed over. What about someone like Henry VIII, though? I mean, is he walking around ordering other ghosts to be executed? During his reign, he had over 70,000 people executed in this country. He's definitely not a nice man. Definitely not. Well, he was very careful with details. You know. <laughs> 70,000. Two queens. Goodness knows how many Catholic priests and over 70,000 people executed during his reign. So I would think he's a bit of a tormented soul, to say the least, after what happened. But, of course, he had a terrible fear, you see, of death, because he'd obviously established himself as the head of the church instead of... The Pope. Yeah. But apparently on his deathbed, would you believe he actually paid uh, Cluniac monks, Catholic monks, to pray for his quick exit through purgatory? I was hedging his bets then, Richard. He was hedging his bets big time. Wow. Yeah. How's about that one? Wow. So he died very worried, I think. Very worried. And you can see um, why, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, I would. Not the best behaviour. Richard, who would be your favourite royal ghost? Which one do you think is the most fascinating? Oh, gosh. Oh, blimey. Oh, Mary, <laughs> Queen of Scots. Mary, Queen of Scots. Mary, Queen of Scots. Okay. Ooh. Mary, Queen of Scots. Oh, gosh, she haunts just about everywhere that she was ever imprisoned. Holyrood, Bolton Castle, uh, Wingfield Manor in Derbyshire, Chatsworth, everywhere. It's always the ghost of Mary Queen of Scots, which is wrong. I, mean, I was going to say, how does that work? Does she have a rail card? <laughs> well, it's, uh, you see, the, but the fascinating bit is that where she was executed, Fotheringay Castle in Northamptonshire, she doesn't haunt it. Oh. And yet she had an awful death because it took the executioner three blows to take her head off, would you believe? I have a question because we were talking about more senior members of the royal family before. So we've heard about the late Queen's sighting and also we spoke about King Charles and Camilla. I wonder, do you think the younger royals believe in ghosts? Aha! Well, funnily enough, when the Prince of Wales and the Princess of Wales moved into Anne Hall, it's more or less on, on the Sandringham estate, I believe, there is a ghost in there oh. of a Catholic priest that lived there and was hanged, drawn and quartered 
for high treason and for some reason has returned to his home. Although he was executed in York, for some reason, he's, they've actually heard his voice. But this is what I'm... So anyway, they hear this voice and they have seen uh, the ghost of what they say is a priest wandering around uh, Anne Hall. And before the Wales has moved in, they were warned about the ghost. And the comment was, I, I presume, I don't know, I presume it was from Prince William. He said... No old hall would be complete without a ghost, would it? Oh, I love oh that. God. They're very relaxed about it all. The other fascinating story, of course, is James VI of Scotland, and he was terrified of witches. Yeah, Absolutely yeah, terrified. Yeah, yeah. And he believed the North Berwick witches had um, sabotaged his boat when he was coming back, bringing his queen back from Denmark, because he, he married Anne of Denmark, and there was a tremendous storm as they were coming back. And he believed that this one witch, this one lady, uh, had, had actually sailed out in a sieve with a cat. <laughs> I mean, this is nonsense, isn't it? And, <laughs> and bewitched, bewitched the boat and caused a storm. And she was basically brought to trial at Holyrood, tortured and made to admit that she was a witch and was burnt alive at the stake. <sighs> and her ghost still haunts Holyrood to this day. I don't blame her. This poor old lady was basically severely tortured. But the fascinating bit about the story is that her ghost is seen at Holyrood, always seen naked. Agnes Sampson, the Scottish witch, the trauma was created while the poor old lady was naked. And hence the fact that they see a naked ghost. This is proof. It's so horrible to think about, isn't it? Like, it's really, well, horrendous to think that any one single woman was blamed for a storm. Oh, my God. Can I ask, you know, a lot of past figures have returned as ghosts. Obviously, they had a very traumatic life or ending, which doesn't happen nowadays. Well, we've had some few traumatic endings for some royals, but can we expect the more modern royals that have passed to come back? No. Basically, what? is Queen Why? Elizabeth II walking around Balmoral? That's a possibility. You see, the other one is that the only bit of proof that I can give that ghosts exist, because there is none, by the way. Yeah. No matter who says what, I, what I've seen, I can't prove to you. Yeah. Um, and so on. You know what I mean? But the only bit of proof I've got is that the number of children that see ghosts... Spooky. ...compared to adults... Oh, yeah. A, because their minds are open and they've got very little in them. So that's why there's more chance of seeing a ghost when you're on holiday. So that's possibly why some of the royals see ghosts when they're at Sandringham, at Balmoral. It is true. We see ghosts more when we're on holiday. Because why our is minds that? are open. Oh, because you're, you're a relaxed. bit more relaxed. You're, right? you're relaxed. We've forgotten all about the worries and trials and tribulations of life because we're on our holiday. And same with children. But basically, yeah. the situation is that you've got right, you've a little girl says, Mummy, why does that old lady come into my bedroom at night? Oh Mummy <gasps> says, oh, vivid imagination. No, 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 it's not. They're seeing ghosts, trust me. But then Christmas comes around and someone gets the photograph album out and the little girl picks out the lady. She says, Mummy, there's that lady. And everyone's going, oh, my God, what's the problem? Well, that's her grandma. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Well, the little girl's three. Grandma's been dead for nine years. She's never seen her. So this happens frequently. Frequently. This is proof that ghosts exist. So, again, I would not be at all surprised if the late queen does not come back and visit her grandchildren. Wow. You never know, though. So if anyone is going to see Queenie, it's going to be... It's going to be them. One of the... The grandkids. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Just going back to Mary, Queen of Scots, do you know how she appears to people? I'm just quite curious because what you said about them being caught in that moment of trauma. Yeah, she's always seen... Again, the problem I've got is that all these places that have probably got ghosts anyway, because she had something to do with it, because she ran up their back alley once, <laughs> they always label the ghost as the most famous person. So how many of the hauntings in these various places are really Mary, Queen of Scots? I'm not sure. Can't say. So in other words, she's seen in a Tudor dress, but how many other Tudor people died traumatically in these places? But remember, she didn't die in these places. She only died in one place, and guess what? Her ghost does not haunt Fotheringay Castle. So is it Mary, Queen of Scots? Is it Anne Boleyn? Who knows? 
Ooh. <laughs> I love it. It's making me feel very spooky it in October. Is. That's lovely. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I'm a bit jealous, though. I don't feel I've ever seen a ghost, and now I feel like I'm missing out. You need to be yeah, more right. relaxed. One day, I, know, you I, know. I need to relax It's because you never switch off. Uh, yeah. um, I'll be booking my holiday after this chat. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so anyway, much, I Richard. Really, I hope you've enjoyed it, guys. We yeah, did. it was really Thank great. You. All I can say is, you know, tonight, do sleep well. Don't have nightmares. Well, if I didn't believe in ghosts before, I'm still not sure if I do, but that was really interesting. I mean, there's so many gruesome, horrifying stories. Yeah, I hope we haven't put anyone off their lunch, to be honest. It's... <laughs> no. I do really want to see a ghost now, though. I feel like I need to join the club. Well, it sounds like you need to, you know, relax. Yes, go on holiday. Renovate your house. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> I think it's very important for this podcast that we all now go on holiday and see what pops up. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you said that, though, because I thought I might have seen a ghost one time in my life and that was on holiday. Oh, so tell us more. I was on holiday in France at my godmother's house, which is a very old house. And I thought I saw a family friend at the top of the stairs to the attic, so much so that when we got called downstairs for dinner, it was a three-story house, I called upstairs that it was dinner time and then I went upstairs to grab him when he didn't come down. And then I went downstairs and he was already in the kitchen. But I was like, I'm sure I just saw someone at the top of the stairs. Wait, but he wasn't even dead. He was alive. No, but it was just a figure of a... Just a figure of a man. Oh, which you thought and was I your thought friend. I thought it was the friend. Oh, my And then God. I was maybe like 11 or 12. You know, you just don't even think about something. Yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. dinner, dinner. Oh, why is he not coming? Go upstairs. There is no one there. It was really, really freaky. And I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation, but at the time, I wasn't trying to see ghosts or anything. It was in the middle of the day. That's so interesting. And it was just very weird. And that was on holiday. So obviously, 12-year-old me was... Very laid back and relaxed. And I did. I did think it was really interesting what Richard said about the fact that a lot of these famous so-called royal ghosts might not be royal at all. They could just yeah. be a another Tudor woman in a, in a big gown. And it, it's, it's so interesting true. how we pinned that onto. It's interesting because I guess if you do go and do a tour at one of these places, you want to be like, oh, I saw Anne Boleyn's ghost, but who's to say it's Anne Boleyn? What's Anne Boleyn doing there? It could be anybody's spirit lingering. I mean, I'd probably want to hang out in a palace if I was going to stay on this mortal yeah, plane, you know. Sure. Where, where would you linger? I'd probably go to Balmoral. It's well, a favourite holiday spot. I would go probably... to Windsor Castle. Clearly, there's something magical about it because everyone seems to be there. They're all having a party in Windsor. Yeah. I like the it idea of like them being like in the ghost show, focusing really hard to try and move a suit of armour or something. <laughs> yeah. And that's everything from us today. Thank you so much to all our listeners, both in this world and the next, for joining us and our guests too. We'll be back to talk about Prince Harry and Meghan, the next chapter. In the meantime, catch more from Hello with our news and entertainment show, The Daily Lowdown, available on Spotify, Apple and wherever you get your podcasts. Sleep well. (laughs) 